This episode of AmateurLogic.tv is brought to you by Gigaparts.com, the amateur radio online superstore. AmateurLogic viewers, go to Gigaparts.com slash ALTV for specials on ICOM radios as well as Arduino and Raspberry Pi kits. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM and the Holiday Instant Savings Program between now and December 31st of 2013. Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 61. I'm George. And I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. And we've got an exciting show for you tonight. It's our annual Christmas episode. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, and Happy Hanukkah to our Jewish friends. And uh, also uh, Lucky Sinterklaas to our Dutch and uh, Belgian friends as well. Yeah, what what Peter yeah. said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's shrink down Peter here just a little bit to make room to bring in our old pal from the Great White North. Yeah, our favorite hoser, eh? Yeah, it's uh, Mike Morneau, VE3MIC. Hi, Mike. Hi, everyone. How are things up in the frozen tundra tonight? They are frozen. Uh, No denying it's winter now, George. I hear you. Did you bring the moose in? Uh, The moose didn't want to go out. It was so cold. Yeah. Okay, I can't say that I blame him. Yeah, hi, Mike. Uh, how are things up in the cold part of the Empire? Hi, Peter. Uh, things are fine. Cold, of course. Uh, got a fresh blanket of snow last night, and it's definitely winter. We're ready for Christmas up here. You having antenna parties? Oh, yeah. We always wait until it's cold weather before we even <laughs> consider putting up antennas yeah. outside. That's the best time <laughs> to climb the tower, right? Yeah, you get better grip when your hands stick to the metal. You just wet them. Yeah. Yeah, and you can hang by your tongue, too. (laughs) Well, Mike, we appreciate you being with us here tonight. We're going to have you back a little bit later in the show, and we're going to go over those uh, that holiday gift guide. Boy, that was uh, real cool. Yeah, we got some great new products, and uh, be sure to have your checkbooks ready. Yeah, and I think operators are standing by. If I'm not, uh, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's be the if you're one of the uh, in the next ten calls, you'll get your order before Christmas. And order now, or avoid a disappointment later. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get steak knives? Uh, no, no. You get a bonus uh, gingerbread ham shack if you oh. your order is uh, over a forty nine dollar value. Awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, we'll see you in a little bit. Right now, though, let's get on with the show. Well, it's going to be fun to have Mike in here with us tonight. Looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. I think he's yeah. a character. He's come up with some cool stuff. Yeah. Peter, what are you going to show us tonight? Uh, well, you remember this, the uh, Deacon DE1103. I'm going to show you how to extend its tuning range. Oh, okay. Cool. Tommy, what about you? I'm going to show you how to put your Arduino projects on television. On television? Television. Like amateur logic television? 
Any television you want to put them on. Okay, cool. Wow. <clears throat> and I'm going to be looking at Echo Link on a Raspberry Pi. You know, I've been talking about that forever. Yeah. I'm just going to bring you up to date on where that project stands tonight. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. Well, right now, let's get on into the emails. What have you got there first on your staff? Yeah, I've got one from Martin. 2E0LPT, Martin's in Liverpool, England. says, my five-year-old son was thrilled when I fixed his model boat in time for the cold weather setting in. It was when a few weeks later when I was looking through the pictures, I noticed that I was being watched by the all-seeing technology eye TV in the background. And it's actually a picture of me. <laughs> he was watching Amateur Logic while he was working on the boat, and his little son was uh, pretty cool. Says he's a geek in the making. He likes toys more when they break, so his dad can try to take them apart and fix them. All the best, and have a cool Yule. Um, anyway, that's, uh, his name's Martin. That's a really cool name. All the cool people yeah. are named Martin. Martin. I've yeah. heard that name before. Yeah, hmm. and uh, we were watching you, Martin, so, you know, everybody, you just got to keep that uh, in mind. Yeah. <laughs> We're always lurking. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got an email here from Michael KT5MR. Greetings from Houston, Texas. Let me just say I just snapped a photo of your QR code that you had in your video in the latest Amateur Logic. I'm still laughing. I went to get my phone and snapped a photo. Where would it take me? Surely something related to Amateur Radio, maybe something on JT65, maybe something about your NASA talk, or maybe just a mundane link to AmateurLogic.tv. It took only a split second once I saw Rick Astley's name to scream out, are you kidding me? And uh, yes, uh, uh, the link was to uh, Rick Astley's video (laughs) of um, uh, Never Gonna Give You Up, uh, which is basically the video that people use to rickroll other people. So he says, Peter, I'd like to happily confer the honour upon you of being the first person to successfully rickroll me. And uh, I'm sure there's uh, thousands of other viewers out there who were equally rickrolled there, uh, Michael. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, funny stuff. Well, I've got one here. It came from Dale W4OP. And Dale said, hi, George. Is there a U.S. distributor for the filters that you need to replace in the TS-2000s if it's got that receiver problem. He says he has two friends with 2008 vintage rigs that uh, require the replacement, and he can do the work if he can find the filters. Well, what he's talking about is in episode 57 there, you know, I mm-hmm. I changed out those IF filters that had gone bad in the TS-2000. And uh, Dale, no, I don't know of uh, a U.S. distributor. You know, I just uh, searched for that part number that, I had listed there in that uh, episode 57. And the only place I could really find them was uh, over in England. So I just ordered them that way. They took a while to come in, but, wow. you know. Sure seems like somebody out here over here should have those, but I wouldn't have a clue. Either. Yeah, I, I just I couldn't find them. Now, you can probably get the original ones that were in there, but, I, you know, I was going mm-hmm. to, to go with some different ones and hope for a better result. Mm-hmm. Well, Peter, why don't you set up this next video for us? Well, uh, as I said, it's, uh, uh, you remember the Deacon DE1103, which, by the way, is still for sale and uh, relatively inexpensive radio that works great from about 150 kilohertz to 30 megahertz. But uh, I recently had a look at a Russian video in Russian and uh, was not a video, sorry, a website, uh, and uh, uh, Google translated it and found out that I could actually do more with my Deacon DE1103. Hello everyone and welcome once again. 
you might recognise this radio. This is my Deegan DE1103 that I featured way back in episode 15. It's still working perfectly fine all these years later, apart from a slight dint in the front. Uh, it's sold under a number of uh, other names. I think the Kai E2, K-A-I-T-O, K-A-1103, and various other brand names. Uh, now, the radio tunes from 150 kilohertz through to about 30 megahertz, and that's great. So good, sensitive uh, shortwave receiver. But I recently found out that it was possible to make the radio tune down below 150 kilohertz and between 30 and 40 megahertz just by doing a little bit of software programming. And that's what we're going to do today. First up, I'll show you how to tune down below 150 kilohertz. So let's turn the radio on and we'll type 1711 and press the band plus button. Now I'm tuned to uh, 1711 kilohertz. Now hold the band minus key down until it starts to actually uh, start tuning down. And then well, it's still searching, but just rotate the tuning knob anti-clockwise slightly just to regain control of the radio and then continue on very quickly tuning anti-clockwise down and what you'll find as you get closer and closer to the bottom is that you'll be able to tune down below 150 kilohertz and there I am down at 100 kilohertz how's that now that's a fairly compl complicated procedure to go through uh, every time you want to tune down in this band. So what we do is we hold the store key down and we pick a memory channel, in this case number one, and then press the store key again. So let's say I go off to another frequency, 3967, and I want to go and tune down below 150 kilohertz. All I do is I press M slash F and I pick my memory channel, which is just this one that I've got programmed in. There's my 100 kilohertz. Press M slash F again, and now I can tune in this band down here. Now I'm going to show you how to tune above 30 megahertz. Turn the radio on, type in 21951, hold the band plus key down, and you might have to press it twice, but... Uh, hold it down and it'll start searching upwards. Now what we're going to do is we're going to wait till it reaches above 29950 kilohertz. That's 29950. But less than 30 megahertz. Uh, less than 30000. Just in that 50 kilohertz window. And when it gets within that window, we're going to hit this band plus key and stop it dead in its tracks. So we'll fast forward now to that. Alright, we're getting near 29950. I'm going to hit this M plus button, or band plus button I should say. 800, 900, and hit it now. There we go. Dead on 29975. That's between 29950 and 30 megahertz. Okay, I've got a frequency in that range. Now I need to save that to my memory. So holding the store key down, I rotate 
my tuning knob, I pick a frequency, or rather a memory channel, number one, and then hit my store button again, which is great. It's now stored in the memory. And just hit uh, band plus, just to get out of that. Okay, so I'm on a completely different frequency. So go back to M slash F, and there is my frequency happily stored away. Now, what I need to do now is press MF again, so that I can now tune up and down from there. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold my band plus key now down to start it searching upwards again. But this time I'm going to do something similar to what I did before, but it's going to be a lot trickier. I have to stop this when it gets between 30001 and 30009 kHz, which is no, e no mean feat. Anyway, let's hold the band plus key down and start it running. Ah, missed it. Darn. But not to worry, because I can go back to my M slash F button and try again. Let's hold the, the band plus button down. And this time I've got it. You'll see it says sort of 30005 kilohertz. That's between 30001 and 30009. The 3 shows up as a f kind of funny Cyrillic type character, like a backwards B, but no matter, um, just pretend it's a 3. Okay, now what we do is we need to store this uh, frequency. So holding the store key down, pick a memory channel. I'll use the memory channel that I used for uh, before, because I no longer need the 29975. And then just hit store again, and now that's saved. Now what happens is, let's say I'm on another frequency and I want to go tune above 30 megahertz. all I do is I hit M slash F and pick my memory channel, which is here, because I've only got the one memory channel programmed in at the moment, and press M slash F again, and now with a bit of care I can start to tune up above 30 megahertz. And you'll see that when it gets up the top here goes on to 31 and 32 and 33, etc. Now, as I said before, I can't guarantee the sensitivity of the radio because it's just simply not designed to actually uh, to go up to these frequencies. But uh, from what I've read uh, online, you should have a degree of sensitivity at least, uh, you know, depending on, on how high you go. So the higher you go, the less sensitive it becomes. Uh, now, what you should do is, by the way, uh, having now been able to tune up to 31 and 32, etc., a good idea would be to save 31, 32, 33, 34, etc., megahertz into various memory channels so that you can easily access the frequencies that you want to access. So there you go. You can now tune down below 150 kilohertz and up above 30 megahertz, up to about 40 megahertz. I can't guarantee the sensitivity, and I've got no idea what you'll find down below 150 kilohertz or between 30 and 40 megahertz, but I'm sure that you're going to have a lot of fun looking around there. Yeah, Peter, that's neat. You know, a lot of these radios have, have more bandwidth than we're really allowed to get to since we have digital these days. Mm -hmm. So mm, uh, Yeah, well, it was a good little Easter egg uh, to find. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice little trick. It certainly was. Right now, let's get a message from our sponsor, Gigaparts. 
ICOM has pushed the envelope of Mobile HF once again with the IC7100. The IC7100 features touchscreen controls, giving you a more intuitive portal into the IC7100's feature settings and menus. The uniquely designed control head provides a comfortable viewing angle, making it easy to use for both mobile and base station operation. No optional filters or add-ons are needed. Everything is included. The IC7100's 32-bit floating-point DSP, powered by dual DSP chips, gives you full digital IF stage filter controls on all bands, HF through 70 centimeters. The IC7100 features built-in voice recording and playback functions, as well as an SD card slot for voice storage and radio cloning, a RIDI decoder, and high-frequency stabilization. It doesn't stop there. D-Star is also built in, providing DV mode operation on all bands, including HF. Stay ahead of the curve with the uncompromising IC7100 from ICOM. Gigaparts is the largest independent amateur radio dealer in the nation. Everything you need for ham radio, including books, DVDs, antennas, rope, coax, and tuners. Gigaparts has it all and is open Monday through Saturday. Call us toll-free at 866-535-4442, and our friendly staff will be happy to help you find the right products for nearly any project and budget. Online shopping made easy with real-time pricing and availability, and free shipping on most orders. Go to gigaparts.com and enter to win a free radio. Have a question? Click on Live Chat for a quick answer. Low prices, huge selection. America's favorite ham radio store is Gigaparts. You know, I got some news that you guys don't even know about yet. Oh, yeah? Yeah, some exciting oh, news. All right. I love exciting news. Yeah. Uh, AmateurLogic.tv viewers, you can go to gigaparts.com slash ALTV, and uh, they've got special savings there on ICOM radios, on Arduinos, and Raspberry Pi kits. That is special news. That is Excellent. special yeah, so uh, go to gigaparts.com slash ALTV and uh, pick up on your ICOM radios, your Arduinos, and your Raspberry Pi kits and, and whatever else they have there. Let them know that you support the show, and, uh, you know, that, that helps us out here. Absolutely. Helps us keep it going. Helps us keep it going. Well, right now, let's get back into the emails. And uh, I've got one here that uh, comes from Smurf. you remember Smurf? I remember the name. Yeah, we've we've had emails from Smurf mm-hmm. before. And he said, hey, George, another good show. And he's talking about number 60. And thanks for the heads up about free DV. Also, why did you change the color under the tube and the sign? I happen to like blue. And uh, <laughs> no, no ticket yet. I uh, hope this finds everyone doing well, Jim. And Jim is, is Smurf. Well, you know, I didn't really change him under there this this uh, little sign here from Jim's engraving came with a remote control, so you can make it whatever color you want. In our case, you just need to stay away from green because it uh, <laughs> kind of disappears in front of the green screen. But I had it set up for a nice Christmas red this time. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, Peter, what's on your email stack? 
Yeah, I've got another email here, uh, George, from Joe W6CQZ. And Joe is the author of um, JT65HF, the program that uh, I was using last last month. And uh, Joe... uh, complimented me on the uh, the segment, thank you very much and uh, also mentions the, uh, a, a website uh, that you can go to jt65.w6cqz.org forward slash receptions dot html which gives you the results of JT65 spots submitted by stations running JT65HF who have elected to provide data it's a fairly basic info in presentation, but offers a lot of details. Now, due to health issues, Joe has been unable to keep on updating that program, but other people have uh, uh, have taken up uh, that uh, uh, that task, and uh, there's an edition called the HB9HQX edition, uh, which uh, uh, which is uh, a new version of that, which is great to see as well. And uh, he also gives another tip as well for JT65. He says, uh, I'd like to point out an issue that's been discussed and is documented in my manual, but mostly overlooked. It's best if you wish to work a station on the negative side of DFO that you actually QSY down. Reason for this is that some sound cards have a nasty habit of generating harmonics of the audio tones, especially so at the lower audio frequencies. These can appear in your transmitted signal if they fall within your transmitted signal or transmitted sideband's filters response. You often see stations operating at say minus 900 dF plus their second and third harmonics extending up the passband. And uh, yeah, uh, and he's glad that uh, uh, we enjoy using uh, JT65HF. Yeah, thank you so much for, for putting that package together, Joe. And uh, I, I do hope that uh, we see maybe one day a, a nice, stable Linux version of that program. Yeah, you know, that is pretty neat, Tom. And we, we do. We, uh, we'll put videos out there on software or different products mm-hmm. and things. And we'll actually hear back from the author of that yeah. package afterwards. And yeah, it's happened several times. So you never know when, <laughs> when, when your idea or product might pop up on here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What's next over there, Tommy? I've got an email from Richard, KJ4ZTY. And uh, Richard's asking the same thing I've had several questions about. He said, thanks for making the great show. Could you tell me where you got the workbench that you use when filming the show? It looks to be just the right size for my situation. Richard, I got that one at Sam's Club, of all places, and we were just looking around in there, and I stumbled across it. And it's been great. It's a, it's a perfect size for the space that I have, and uh, I think it was about 75 bucks, but... Uh, I've looked at a couple of the other Sam's Clubs, and I haven't seen them at any of the others. So. Is it about four foot wide? Is it yeah. about the size of Yeah, about four, a little, maybe four and a half. Yeah. Well, let's go to that bench now. Okay, let's do. We're going to do something a little bit different this month. You know, we do a lot of things with Arduinos and Raspberry Pis around here. And for the Raspberry Pi, we've used the little TFT displays like you see over my shoulder. Um, those come off of eBay. They're about 20 bucks or so for that 4.3 inch. And it runs off 12 volts. Makes a really nice dis- little display for something compact. But a lot of times for Arduinos, people use these little 2x16 displays or something similar. I bought this one from Radio Shack. I needed one one day kind of in a hurry. And I think I gave like 35 bucks to 40 bucks or so for it. A little bit expensive. 
Um, actually, in the grand scheme of things, it costs more than the Arduino Uno that I've been playing around with. So a um, little bit high. It's easy to program, though, and the two lines are really nice on it, but you're very limited on how much data you can see. Uh, one day I was kind of looking around at my little display and thought it'd be kind of cool to use that for my Arduino projects. So I started Googling around on the web and I ran across this little TV out library. And um, you have to build a little small circuit for it. Very, very easy. The parts for it are only, you know, two, three dollars worth of parts. Uh, it takes two resistors, a small piece of board to put the resistors on. And if you've got an old cable with an RCA end on it that you don't mind butchering, uh, it's what I used. I, as you can see in this picture here, I, I got mine. I cut one end off of it, uh, tinned the leads, and put a little piece of heat shrink up there around the shield just to keep it uh, insulated. And that's what I'm using. It's really easy, cheap, and I have a whole bunch of those things laying around. This this library is very nice. It'll do graphics. Um text, multiple fonts, very flexible. The one thing it's kind of limited on, it doesn't do color, but I don't really find that to be an issue. But I, I kind of like it, the ease of it and everything, and I thought you guys might enjoy seeing and learning a little bit about it. Let's take a look and see how easy it is to use this library. If you haven't used a library with your Arduino IDE, we just need to download it and install it into the library folder. And it's usually in there where your documents are. So let's let's do that now. Let's go ahead over here. Um, by the way, here's the URL where you can find all this. I don't see the author's name, but I do see uh, his email address. He did a really nice job on the project. Um, so anyway, the credit goes to him on all this. As far as parts, we need uh, three. Basically, the RCA connector, a 1K ohm resistor, a 470 ohm resistor, and we're going to hook those to the Arduino on three pins of the Arduino, but they're actually going to go to the two pins of the RCA connector. The RCA connector's center pin is going to have the two resistors combined, and they're going to go into the center. And then the ground is going to go to the outside ring, as you can see. Pay good attention when you're putting it together where you put the 1K ohm or the 470, because we need to follow the rules here. On my... Uno, I put the sync, which is the 1K ohm, to pin 9, and the video to pin 7 on mine. And then the ground hooks up to one of the grounds on the Arduino. Just pretty much that easy. Let's download the library. It's over here on the left. And to install it, all we need to do is bring up a window to our Documents folder and Arduino. And libraries. So let's go over to where our source is. Another window. Downloads. Library. Uh, TV out. This is what's in our zip file. We just need to take these three folders and move them over into our libraries folder under our Arduino documents folder. After we do that, we can bring up the IDE. And we should see it. So let's go to File, Examples. There's our TV out examples right there. So our library is ready to use. Let's take a look at the example. It's pretty impressive. This thing will do uh, graphics. Uh, you can draw basic shapes. 
multiple fonts. So let's bring up the demo, demo NTSC. And let's go ahead and download it with unchanged. Let's download it straight to our Arduino and take a look at what it looks like. I will say that you can see that it's 19K of my 32K with the graphics. They take a little bit of space. But you saw the scrolling graphic. Um, gives you a little bit of output on the, the fonts. Gives you the schematic. It's, uh, it's pretty capable. That's a pretty impressive demo for a free library. And on a $25 device and a $20 display and, what, a couple of dollars worth of parts to put the interface together. Let's use it in our program of our own. So what we're going to do is I'm going to um, push a button on this little breadboard here and my Arduino is going to see it and we're going to print some output on the screen. Th this could be anything. Um, you know, you could read values from devices that you've got hooked up. Literally, whatever your imagination can think of, you can pretty much do it on here. So I'm, I've got it all hooked up. Let's uh, download the little piece of code that I wrote into the Arduino and take a look at that. Go open, and there's my little demo, and let's kind of look at the code real quick and see what we've got. We've got just a few lines. Um, I'm declaring the TV out header, which shows us all of our functions. The fonts, which gives us our fonts. Got my button on my breadboard here hooked up to, which is four. We're going to default the button state to not pushed. We'll start our TV library. Oh, let's go. Most important thing up here. We're going to declare a variable called TV to be our TV out object in our library. So from then on, everything in TV out will reference it by TV dot something. So let's go down here. TV dot begin. This starts the library, initializes the display. We're using NTSC, and then this is the resolution. We're going to pick the 6x8 font. Wait 200 milliseconds for the device to set itself up, and then I'm going to display amateurlogic.tv rocks. Wait 10 seconds. We set up pin 4 up here in this constant. This is where we're actually using it, so we're going to define the pin 4 to be an input, and I'm going to clear the display from what we had put on it up here. In our program loop, we've got the line here where we're going to read and look for the button push. If the button is high, which means it's depressed, I'm going to clear the screen. I'm going to print some text, and I'm going to wait, and then I'm going to clear the screen and be ready again. If it's not pressed, we're going to just display that it's not pressed. So let's take a look at that on the display. Compiling. Download into the Arduino, and there it is. AmateurLogic.tv rocks. Button not pushed. So let's press the button and see what happens. Cool people watch AmateurLogic.tv. Well, that's very true. And the button's not pushed. Let's push it again. They still watch AmateurLogic.tv. I hope that shows you how flexible the little library is. The circuit was so easy to make and everything. Um, you know, it's really not a good reason not to use it. If you've 
need output for your project, that is. We're going to take that a little bit later on and kind of combine it with something else that I'm trying to work the kinks out of. And, and in the next month or two, I hope to use that along with something else that we're going to build. And I think you'll like that as well. But in the meanwhile, give it a try. Um, let me know if you end up using it in something. And uh, thanks again to the author for providing that library out there for us. Here's the URL once more where you can download it and uh, have fun. Tommy, that was really cool. I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. You know I am. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'd probably take you about five seconds. Well, I've probably got all the parts I need for it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. It didn't take much. But uh, I thought it was kind of cool and, and really useful. Yeah. Tommy, um, I'm, I must admit I've never actually used an Arduino. Um, do you need to know Italian to program it? And what language were you actually using uh, to uh uh, actually, uh, when, what what language was it actually being programmed in? Java or no? Yeah. Actually, it's uh it's kind of a derived of C, the old C, uh, but it's just mm -hmm. called an Arduino sketch. It's their own language, mm -hmm. but it's it's syntax is pretty much C. And he's never played with an Arduino. How did he even get in this club? Yeah, you don't have an Ar <laughs> you don't have an Arduino. Uh, I'm uh, sort of of English descent, so we play with pies. Ah, oh, we play with both. <laughs> yeah, got both. We'll go either way. <laughs> yeah, oh, microcontrollers. You really ought to grab you one, man, and, and uh, check it out. It's so much fun. I, I really like it a lot. Yeah. Do, one question: Do they actually run fast? In the sense that um, uh, I noticed you mentioned a compiler there, so I presume the code would execute reasonably quickly. Yeah, it's got a 16 megahertz clock on it. Yeah, yeah. that's so, that. Depends on what you're doing. Yes, I mean it's pretty fast. It's limited. It's, the one I've got's only got 32k of memory, so. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit like a pickaxe, but with perhaps with a little bit more functionality. Yes, yeah, very yeah. similar. And, and the good thing is that all these libraries and functions are already out there that people have created and they're sharing. So if you want to write a program, you just go find something that's like it and modify it into to what you want to do. Take RF testing to the next level with the new MFJ225HF-VHF two-port graphic antenna analyzer. All the basic analyzer functions you expect, plus a host of advanced features like built-in LCD graphics, two-port VNA measurement, PC interface with IG Mini VNA freeware, and precise direct digital synthesis. It's two analyzers in one. Out in the field, the MFJ225 is a compact, self-contained handheld analyzer. On the bench, it's a full-fledged two-port S21 desktop machine when teamed up with your PC. Using powerful IG Mini VNA freeware, you can run detailed data analysis and then print out stunning color graphic plots to document your work. You get the big picture every time with MFJ225's built-in backlighted 3-inch LCD graphic display. Make fine circuit adjustments using full-screen, easy-to-view SWR bar graph. Capture vivid swept displays for SWR, impedance, return loss, phase angle, and more. Operation is simple. Adjust the center frequency, tuning step, and sweep width instantly while viewing your plot, literally shaping it before your eyes. The MFJ225 tunes continuously from 1.5 to 179.9 megahertz with rock solid stability and no gaps. The VFO is a state-of-the-art programmable direct digital synthesis generator with pinpoint 1 kilohertz frequency resolution. DDS control means no mechanical band switches or tuning elements, just a reliable velvet smooth optical encoder to glide across the spectrum. The MFJ225's DDS stimulus 
generator also gives you a leveled minus 5 dBm signal source for driving mixers, low-power amplifiers, filters, networks, diplexers, and antennas on the test range. The MFJ-225 simultaneously compiles and displays all important parameters you need on a single screen, giving you a wider range of results at a glance. Find out what you've been missing. Visit MFJEnterprises.com or your favorite ham radio dealer today. And you know, the MFJ-2014 catalog has just been released, and you you need to get your copy now. Go over to uh, MFJEnterprises.com, and you'll find all the information you need right there. There's 25 brand-new products for 2014 as well. Some really neat stuff. Yeah, cool. We'll grab mine at the Hamfest. Yeah, yeah. That's January. Yeah, next next month. month. Yeah. Well, you've seen our segments. Uh, I'm dying to see how you've made out on the Echolink project. Well, yeah. Let's just watch it. Echo Link on the Raspberry Pi. I'm sure you've heard me mention that I run an Echo Link node here for a local repeater. I've been running it on an old Windows XP box and I was looking to make a little change. So I began exploring the idea of using the Raspberry Pi for the Echo Link node. Well, that turned out to be uh, quite an interesting task. You cannot run Echo Link on anything but Windows and iPhones and Androids. There's no Linux version of it. However, there is a program that I found called SVX Link that I tried uh, with a little bit of success. The main problem I ran into with it, the Raspberry Pi only has a playback audio device on it. There's no input, so you have to use a USB dongle to get audio to use with Echo Link. After it had been connected for a few hours, it would all of a sudden just lose connection with the USB audio device. So SVX Link wouldn't work for me, and I couldn't find any resources how to fix it. And it appeared a number of other people were having that same problem with it. So the next thing I tried was the Link Box. This is written to work under Linux, and there's a number of distributions of it around. It's primarily used with Echo Link or IRLP or other voice over IP protocols. I read where some people were having success using the Link Box, And I was fortunate enough to find some great instructions on how to set it up here from ON1ARF. Here's the link. Now he begins by telling us why we would want to run the link box on a Raspberry Pi and what would be needed. Then he tells us how to get started. The first thing we need to do is install the Raspbian Wheezy distribution of Linux for the Raspberry Pi. He gives us all the steps to do that here and several links from different people who will uh, give you the detailed instructions on that. There are a few things, though, you want to optimize. After you've done the installation, you run the Raspi config program, and you want to resize the flash card that you're using. That's the SD card that the computer uses instead of a hard drive. You want to resize it so it uses all of the flash drive for storage. Next, you'll set the amount for the GPU to use. And... He suggests 16 megabytes here. By default, it's much higher than that, and we don't need graphics for this program, so setting it to 16 megabytes gives us a little more horsepower for the processor to use running our software. And he says it's very important that you change the password. He gives us a few commands here that we use to update and upgrade the various portions of the Raspberry Pi to make sure that you've got the latest version running. Once you've done that, you install the ALSA sound system. Now, ALSA is one of the sound systems available for Linux. The other one is OSS, which is Open Sound System. 
the uh, Raspbian Linux distribution comes with the Raspberry Pi by default containing only the Alta API, but the Alta OSS must be added to the system so that the link box can communicate with OSS. He gives us the instructions on how to do that. Once you have the sound system up and working properly, you'll want to configure a fixed IP address and port forwarding with your router and your Raspberry Pi. Now, this is very important whether you're using a Raspberry Pi or a Windows computer for your Echolink machine. The next thing is to download the source code, compile it, and install the link box. And he gives us commands and the links here to do that. Now, there are a few newer files that you'll need for the link box because the source that's out there was not really written for the Raspberry Pi in mind. It was just a generic Linux program. So you want to get these new files here according to the website author. He gives us a link to the new files that we'll need. However, I found that they really weren't correct. Uh, this has changed some apparently since this website was published. Instead of using the replacements he suggested here, I looked in the folder that I had the link box source in. I found configvars.cpp, ports.cpp, and ports.8 files there that had a .1 extension at the end of them. When I opened that up, I could see that code had been added in there to allow you to use the GPIO pins of the Raspberry Pi to key your transmitter rig. So I swapped out with these files instead of the ones he suggested that we download. Now it's important that you do this before you actually compile the link box. Then he gives us the instructions here on how to compile and make the installation. Once we've done that, there's some files in the link box that need to be edited for your particular installation, and he gives us all the information on how to do that. Besides the information he gave us on the website about editing these config files, I found that tlb.conf needed a few more tweaks to work for me. The first thing I was unclear about that I finally discovered was that I needed to rim out the line here by putting a semicolon in front of it for the port0.conf file, but include the one for port1, since the USB device is installed on port 1, and port 0 is the internal Raspberry Pi playback-only device, which we don't use. Now, I found I also needed to make some changes to the port 1.conf file because I was having a lot of stuttering and drop packets in my Echolink transmissions. Eventually, I discovered that what I needed to do is reset the PCM rate. The instructions had told us to uncomment PCM rate equal 48,000 here to set the sample rate there, but I found out in my case, actually I needed a PCM rate much lower than that since Echolink only uses 8 kilohertz for the sampling rate. I also found a place in the document that you could specify PCM rate equal 7999, and they gave some uh, reasons for doing that here. And right below that, I found one other variable that needed to be set, and that's no audio in looping equals 1. Previously, I believe there was a semicolon in front of it commenting this line out so that it wouldn't be compiled. This also helped with the stuttering problem that I was having, but it didn't completely solve it. I've still got some choppy audio. I did a lot of searching and just really couldn't come up with anything. Also in port1.conf, there's another section of the code here, 
that he instructed us to modify so that we could use the GPIO for keying our transmitter. Now, there are several different options you can use here. Uh, number 7 TX key method is not listed, but we add that one in there. That was included in the source code that we modified earlier. So far, I have not been able to get the GPIO to key up my transmitter. I get an error message every time. When I'm running the link box in debug mode, I can see that when I try to connect and transmit, I have an error message. I did get connected, but it was unable to say the phrase connected to and then my call sign. That's because the voice library is not on here. And I'm not even going to look into that at this point because uh, there's other things that are preventing me from using this software. But let's uh, do some transmitting now from my iPhone to it, and we can see data coming in. But when we disconnect, we'll see there's an error message there. When it tries to unkey the 2-meter port, it creates an error, ktx colon, cannot open GPIO device slash sys slash class slash gpio slash gpio 17 slash value for writing to no such file or directory now it's not really a file or directory linux creates these gpi ports so that they look like a file or a directory structure uh, we won't go into all that here but suffice it to say i'm getting this error right here and that's preventing me from keying my transmitter i could probably try it with a serial port but I'm not really wanting to go that way since I already have audio problems. Adding another USB device to the system just doesn't sound like a very good idea. It does sort of work though, so let's just take a quick look. The link box was really built to be used as a simplex link or a repeater link controller, so it's not really designed for use as just a simple simplex operation that you could run with a microphone and speaker at home, but it can be done. And that's what we're going to try here, just to demonstrate uh, how far I've gotten with this and where I'm kind of tabling it until I get some more good ideas or hear some from some of you. This is my Raspberry Pi that's running the Linkbox software. I've got it hooked up to a USB port here, and this has got a mouse and a keyboard plugged into it. That's so I could share them. I have the sound device here, which is just a little cheap USB sound dongle. It's plugged into a USB port by itself. You can't really share that on the hub here or you'll have all types of audio problems. Here's an HDMI cable running over to my monitor. I won't need a monitor if I ever get this set up right because I can just use SSH or I can use VNC Viewer to access the Raspberry Pi without need for a monitor or a keyboard or a mouse. You really don't need a mouse for Linkbox anyway. Now. Here's the power going into the Raspberry Pi. It's just 5 volts. Now here's a couple of GPIO pins I've got connected up. These should be swinging from high to low to key the transmitter. This would run other circuitry to do the actual keying. However, I get no change at all on these, and I get that error message I was telling you about earlier. So the first thing I've got here is a little test speaker. We'll connect with the iPhone. Alright, nobody says anything here because I don't have the voice files and the link box doesn't return any uh, voice data to my iPhone. However, I will hear it send CWIDs through there. So, let's try a little transmitting with the iPhone. There goes the ID, goes the ID and the feedback, the feedback as well. 
And we're getting a lot of echo in here because it's picking it up. But it is working. It, you hear that I've got audio going that direction. Now I'll unkey it, and I'll just connect up a little microphone. I can't leave it connected all the time because any noise I made in here would make the um, Echolink broadcast it out. And I'm sure you heard that static. Now the sound now is coming out of the iPhone. It's not coming out of that test speaker. So I can get audio going that direction as well, and it works. It's breaks up occasionally. I've had some problems with that, and the quality of the audio is not that great either. So that's where I am with Echolink on the Raspberry Pi. The Link Box looks like it's a pretty nice package and would probably do everything I need it to do without uh, any sweat at all. However, uh, like I say, the audio is not as good as it could be, and the GPIOs are not working yet. Now, if I can ever get an answer or a solution for that, I may get back on this project. In the meantime, I'm going to stick with that Windows box a little longer. Man, I had high hopes for that. I uh, I was ready to put my Echolink node back on the air. I had high hopes for it, too, but they, they hadn't panned out so far. Uh, the SVX link seemed like it was going to work. It had pretty decent quality audio, but... Um, it just wouldn't hang in there after a few hours. you just lose connection with the uh, audio dongle. Did the GPIO work on that one? I never got that far because of the audio yeah. trouble. I just, you know. Yeah, well, maybe somebody out there watching may have yeah. an answer for it. So if yeah. you do, send, uh, send us a note. Yeah, George at AmateurLogic.tv. I, I would really like to hear from you. So far, uh, no luck getting um, those two problems resolved, but... Uh, you know, if I come across more information, we'll pull that back out and play with it a little yeah. more. BeagleBone might be an option as well. Yeah, you know, I've I've been on the Linkbox forums and all, looking around, trying to find more, you know, information to solve this. And I saw where a couple of people mentioned the BeagleBones in there, but I didn't really see where anybody was was using one. But there could be. Yeah. Uh, a little more horsepower, so it, it might do fine on that. Or an MK802, MK808. Might be able to interface uh, something to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically looking for something someone's already done and it works, so I can just copy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's what I had found, but apparently I'm missing some uh, secret piece, some secret ingredient. The secret there. sauce. Yeah. Well, I've got an email here. This is from Brent W5FRG, and he says, George, I finally got around to watching some of the early episodes of Amateur Logic TV. And I found out you were a software engineer, and so is Tommy, and Peter's a, a budding software yeah, engineer. Buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, He says, I enjoyed watching, uh, again, Jim's segment that involved the blowtorch. Uh, he saw it on Ham Nation uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Randy K7AGE recreated that and, and yeah. did it. He said it reminded me of a local encounter with a blowtorch that happened many years ago. Back around 1990, the county director of uh, the Department of Emergency Management asked some of the hams to install a ham station on the EOC, which was in the courthouse. Everything sounds kosher there. Mm -hmm. And he says, courthouse already has a 20-foot section of Rome 25G up there, and it was no longer used for public safety, so they decided to put up two dipoles, one for 40 meters and one for 80 meters, and uh, feed both of them with one feed line. So three of them climbed up on the courthouse roof. It was an old uh, 
old-time flat roof covered with tar paper. And one of the hams owned an electronics repair shop, and he was uh, the only one who actually owned a blowtorch. And you can see where this is yeah. going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he was elected to climb up the 20-foot section and connect the uh, dipoles to the coax. In the process of soldering the connections at the top of the tower, he accidentally raked the lit blowtorch across his fingers. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. He immediately dropped it, or rather sort of threw it, and it landed on the tar paper roof. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he says, in my mind, I instantly saw the headlines in the local newspaper. Local hams burned down historic courthouse. <laughs> oh. But uh, by swatting and smothering it with his jacket and then the other ham stomping on it, they got the fire out before it did any damage. It, too bad there wasn't any videos of all that. Oh, man. Yeah. That would have been competing with Jim for sure. That, that would have. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tommy, what have you got over there next? Yeah, I've got one more. This one's actually kind of interesting to me here. This is from Monty, KV4KS. It says, I noticed a new product from Harden Power Systems. Um, here's the URL, www.portableuniversalpower.com, called a DHAP, which is a self-contained digital access point for DSTAR. The device is, includes a Raspberry Pi, an 8-gig SD card for booting the Pi, a DC power supply to recharge the built-in nickel metal hydride metal battery pack, a Wi-Fi dongle, all in a compact case. Maybe it's something you could review on AOTV show, and hopefully it will show up at the Dayton Hamvention. And uh, that's a great idea, Monty, and uh, maybe we'll just do that. We've got oh. one of them right here, and uh, we're going to be doing something real soon on it. It's a really nice unit. Let me see that. Well, he does do some neat-looking work, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's great. That uh, you looks... know, we built similar to that on there, but that, this takes it, you know, uh, several steps beyond uh, what we did. Get rechargeable batteries built in. Uh, all the ports are routed to the front. It's got an Ethernet. Uh, got Ethernet on the back, um, antenna jack for SMA, if you want to run it like that. Or you can use the stubby on the inside. And uh, you can actually get 12 volts of power from the charging port right here. So if you wanted to hook up one of those little TFT monitors like we showed on my segment earlier, you could actually mm-hmm. power it So temporarily. Uh, yeah, I would ask you more about this, but I'll wait till you've had a chance to play with it and uh, yeah. figure out everything. Like, yeah, nice I, looking. Man. I actually just got it yesterday, and I haven't even put my stuff in it yet. So yeah. um, that's what I know about it so far, but I'm pretty excited to check it out. So keep an eye on out, Monty, and we should have something on that very soon. Yeah. Peter, what have you got next? All right, George, yes, I've got one final email here from uh, Gary, KF9RM. And Gary sent in a video for us to have a, a quick look at. And uh, basically, it's uh, how to control your uh, or remote control of a uh, antenna tuner by uh, use of an Android device, and uh, I think that's such a terrific application. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was really neat. I wouldn't mind having something like that. Yeah. Probably need a little more power to handle my linear than, than that little tuner would handle, but certainly the uh, good concept. Yeah. You, you could really take that a lot farther, too, make it an auto tuner. Let's uh, talk about one of our sponsors, and that's ICOM America. We've been proud to have them sponsoring the show this year, and I look forward to them again next year. They've been a big help for us here. And there's a couple of news items I wanted to point out here before we play the ad. 
and that is there's a new ICOM website. If you're an ICOM fan, then go to ICOMSwag.com, I-C-O-M-S-W-A-G.com, and you can find some great swag there, T-shirts, beer glasses, caps, just uh, a, a lot of different things. And it's just come online, so they'll probably be adding some to this as they go. And there's also a new video we've just finished producing for ICOM on the IC9100, the multi-band, multi-mode rig that does everything under the sun. And uh, if you'd like to watch that, uh, it should be posted by now, and you can find that at the link right here. Looking for the perfect present for that special someone? ICOM's got you covered. Go to icomamerica.com amateur and click on the Holiday Instant Savings button to receive extra holiday savings through December 31st of 2013. Here are a few of the special savings and some incredible bargains. IC2300H, the rugged mill standard 810G spec VHF transceiver with 65 watts of stable output. IC92AD, tough submersible construction and a VHF UHF handy talkie with built-in D-Star capability. IC7100, the new multi-band all-mode HF VHF UHF mobile with touchscreen operation and D-Star capability on all all bands. IC7200, a simple and tough HF rig with IFDSP and a rugged design perfect for indoor or outdoor use. IC7410, enjoy higher performance in everyday HF communications with exceptional double conversion superheterodyne receiver and faster IFDSP. IC9100, the all-around high-performance transceiver with everything the IC7410 has, plus VHF and UHF and available D-Star and 1200 megahertz options. IC7600, the HF transceiver with dual receivers, IFDSP, color TFT display, and dedicated DSP spectrum scope. IC7700, the premium 200-watt HF transceiver with every single high-end feature you could dream of, and more. ID51A, the new VHF-UHF dual-band handheld with built-in D-Star and GPS standard. And don't forget about the ICOM Bi-Direct program for D-Star repeaters and the great closeout deals on the IC80AD handheld. Go to icomamerica.com amateur and click on the Holiday Instant Savings button to receive extra holiday savings through December 31st of 2013. And Tommy, right now, ICOM's got a special going on on the IC80AD, you know, that handheld? Yeah. You know, that's on closeout. And while the supply lasts, they're only three twenty nine ninety five. dollars Oh, that's a steal. That is a dual-band mm. rig with a D-Star in it handheld. That, that was a pretty popular radio. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. nice. Uh, my buddy Johnny, he uh, he swears by those. Is that what he has? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a match to the uh, 880H that I use. So yeah. I should probably consider this. You should. I should. Well, right now, let's bring our, our pal Mike back in here, and we're going to get on to some really, what everybody's been waiting for tonight, that uh, annual AmateurLogic.tv holiday gift guide. Mike, come on in and uh, and just help us to understand these great products and how they're going to benefit mankind. Well, George, I had... I'm offering some interesting products. I think that uh, you know your typical ham would really like, like like the clap, for example. Yeah. What does the clap do, Mike? 
Well, the clap you can you can remotely turn on and off your HF rig, and uh, I believe it's uh, two claps to turn the HF rig on and off. And if you do three claps, it turns on and off that HF linear. Oh, okay, awesome. Ooh. Yeah, everybody every ham needs one of those. Yeah, we never have any clapping in here, so no, it's no. not a problem with false triggers there. True. Yeah. What else have you got there <laughs> on page one, Mike? Well, we got the uh, the Uggy. You know, if you've spent all your home heating money on new ham equipment, uh, the Uggy has you covered. Uh, you don't need heat with the with the Uggy. You just put one of those things on your 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 toasty warm. You're yeah. ready to uh, operate uh, all night and day. Yeah. You can see how cozy they are. I yeah. mean, Tommy, you're you're just sitting a little too close for comfort there. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't move. Yeah. yeah, that thing's kind of sewed together at the shoulder or something. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, Mike, you know, we can understand that uh, in Canada you need these these warm type of uh, appliances here to to help you through the winter. <laughs> this is my favorite one, Mike. Can you tell us about the Crazy Jim Deluxe Kit? <laughs> sure thing. The burns is perfect for antenna raising parties or harvesting parts from scrap circuit boards. And it's only twenty nine ninety five. Yeah, that, that. ninety five quantities are actually uh, running a little low on stock, so you better get them now before they're gone. Because once they're gone, they're gone. We should pick up one of those for Jim. Yeah, those are hot. Yeah, they are hot. <laughs> and Ooh. what's that other product? I, I believe I saw that. Uh, oh, a, a year ago, offered for sale somewhere. Well, that's the. Uh, I believe you're referring to the twist antenna. Uh, which is uh, a precision pointing system for uh, for contest in DX. Uh, uh, that's Australian made, isn't it? It's a great Australian I, I, product. I believe so. It was it was designed mm. by a Dr. Peter Snipe. Yes, oh, yes I've heard of him. He's <laughs> over in Western Australia. Good fellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. This one, Mike. Um, I don't know, uh, Tommy. I don't know that I really need one of those in my house. <laughs> I don't know. That bottom one's a thing of beauty, man. <laughs> yeah, but the top one reminds me of a, a, a bad hair day back in the early 70s. It looks ideal for male, pat, male pattern baldness. It, uh, it could cover up a lot. Well, it could. Mike, what, what can, tell us what we're looking at. Well, George, we've got something new this year. Um, it, it's it's just been uh, come out this year. You, you probably see... Uh, you know imitations, um, but uh, there's no substitute for the real thing. This is the this is the Chai Pet, and uh, it's now available uh, limited edition George Thomas or Tommy Martin. You know everybody loves a Chai Pet, so order yours today. I can see those just flying off the shelves. Yeah, it makes a great dessert topping too. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna get a twisted tanner, you really need to look at the RF grease. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's not your father's KY. RF grease is manufactured in small batches to uh, to ensure quality. You know, for that smooth signal, uh, try RF grease. As uh, seen on ALTV, too. And what's mm. that bottom one there? That looks kind of like spaghetti, but isn't that some antenna product? That is the uh, the Skyhooks. You know, you, you could spend a lot of money, and if you don't have a lot of cash for that 80-foot tower... Uh, with Skyhook, you don't need one. Um, it's made from a space-age UV-resistant polymer, and it lasts for years. It's great. Wow. Is it resistant to squirrels? <laughs> I don't know if squirrels can climb that high. 
Sounds perfect. Ah, look, the Tommy gun now, does that shoot potatoes? Well, it's not designed for potatoes. It's actually designed to launch your wire dipole or or Wyndham or any other type of wire antenna. You can get it up there instantly Mm -hmm. with the Tommy gun. What's perfect for field day? Yeah, what ammunition do you use in there? Uh, Actually, you can use black powder. You can use um, (laughs) WD-40. You can use... You know, anything combustible, um, you just have to use the right quantity, and uh, we assume no responsibility for mishaps. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the look there, Tommy. This must have been back a few years ago when you and yeah. Jim had that company yeah, that, you were trying that's, to. Yeah, that's when I was hanging around with the guys over in West Monroe over there. Okay, yeah. your cousins. Yeah. And if your order is over $49, receive this deluxe gingerbread ham shack. Um, it's, uh, it's a bonus. And uh, quantities are limited, so uh, order now. Ooh, perfect Christmas gift. Tasty. Tasty. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We need one of those sitting right here, don't we, Tom? Yeah. My mouth's watering now just thinking about it. Wait, why don't we order some of that junk? <laughs> I mean, quality merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and get the the gingerbread. We could probably have it before New Year's. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Well, we can finish <laughs> off that wine with it from two years ago. Yep. <laughs> Well, Mike, it's been great to have you back here with us again tonight, and we really appreciate your work on all these Photoshops and everything you do over on the Google Plus page. Thanks, George. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, lighting up things uh, in between the, the more serious technical uh, articles and, uh, and info that's on the, uh, the Google Plus page. So uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. So I uh, hope everybody enjoys it. Yeah, when we get one of those emails that says you've been tagged in a photo, Oh, yeah. yeah I can't hardly wait now. to go see what it is. Yeah. <laughs> the Google Plus group's really grown a lot. I think there are like close to 850 people in there now. That's right. Uh, it didn't seem so long ago when we hit the 250 mark, but it's it's been going up steadily. I think I think we're uh, getting close to the uh, the Facebook group. I'm, I'm not sure what their numbers are right now. but uh, uh, It's almost 2,000 on the Facebook group. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, in such a short period of time, it's... Yeah, it's yeah. growing. I, I suspect it'll catch up. Tommy, I got an email here from Mike the other day. You remember the incident about the nerd mobile? Yeah, I do. I do remember that. <laughs> His wife's giving him a hard time about the antenna. Yeah, I, I see you solved that, Mike. Yeah, she solved it on her own. She thinks it's cool, but uh, she went to pick my daughter up at school with it, and uh, I've never seen a look on my uh, on my daughter's face like that before. Sheer embarrassment. Yeah, so I yeah. Think she's the winner. <laughs> That that's kind of the look I get when I drive up, pick up my daughter from school, and I've got all, uh, you know, the screwdriver antennas and everything on the roof. That makes that makes studying for the test and everything all worth it, doesn't it? It does. It really does. <laughs> well, I'll let you I'll let you in on a little secret. She's even got a set of bunny ears for Easter, if you can believe that one. <laughs> oh. hey, hey, yeah. hey, hey, Mike! I got something in the mail the other day. I want to thank you. I uh, got a little early Christmas present. Yeah, tear it and, up. Uh, yeah, George uh, George showed his duct tape wallet on here uh, last month what or the is, month what before. What there? I've got a bacon wallet. A bacon wallet. What What else could a ham want to put his money in other than something made out of pork? Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, I, I try been trying to keep it in my pocket, but it keeps slipping out. And the and the dog keeps following me around the house, but I really love it. It's a great way to make friends, there, uh, Tommy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I thank you. I was, I was kind of surprised when it showed up in the mail 
But uh, anyway, that's awesome. Appreciate that. And I still have the duct tape wallet yeah, right Can here. you get your money out yet? That Canadian peso is still stuck so far down in there. I don't think it'll <laughs> ever come out. <laughs> my, my kids got me this hat. I don't know if you can see it too well there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they got it to me. They gave it to me because I'm a ham. I think they gave it to me because they must think I'm pig-headed. <laughs> uh, let, let us see you model it, Mike. All, all you got to do is wear it when you take them to school. I never thought of that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. What's that you're wearing there, your shirt? Yeah, yeah you're wearing the colors. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm representing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. The hat just sets it off, too, man. I, I swear. <laughs> that should have been in the holiday gift this, guide. <laughs> this is a must-have for Canadian winters. I, I, I highly endorse this product. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> oh, and speaking of winters, oh, yeah. I've got a, a stylish new edition here from the uh, Amateur Logic store. Yeah, that's nice. Got the colors on the back. Yeah, I've uh, got one ordered. Should be here in about a week. Cool. I can't. I can't wait to y'all to you add ball caps to the uh, to the inventory. I well, think that's going to be a big seller. Didn't you just add? Yeah, I got, yeah. Go look out there. I think I got ball caps on there. Yeah. Nice. So we're going to be putting some uh, golf shirts. Oops, sorry about that. We're going to be putting some golf shirts out there soon, and several other things as we kind of able to work them in. Yeah, yeah. We're not really trying to make money off of this, and you know, we had to partner with someone who could could handle it for us because yeah. we couldn't ship we, we really did them because everybody keeps asking for them when you're going to yeah. have shirts when you're going to have shirts so we got shirts yep <laughs> <laughs> well mike we appreciate you being here with us tonight and uh we're looking forward to what you might have coming in 2014 well thanks george thanks tommy and thank you peter it's uh, always a pleasure yeah thanks for joining us man you have a merry christmas we'll see you next year you too well, thanks, thanks. Mike. Well, it's always a lot of fun to have Mike here with us, isn't it? Yeah, he's a nut, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, uh, I, I don't know how, how much time it took him to put all that stuff together, but he kind of went above and beyond. Yeah, our favorite Ozer, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be seeing some more of him next year. Yeah, so, so uh, get your checkbooks out and get all your uh, gifts ordered before, uh, before they're all sold out, huh? Yep. That clap's going to go fast, I'm sure. (laughs) Probably faster than the Uggies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, we hope you've enjoyed episode 61 here, the Christmas show. And, uh, boy, we're, I don't guess we'll see you again until next year. Yeah, but uh, we will catch you on the net, the Echolink net, on Monday. Coming up on uh, Star Do Drop In Star Node Number Three Five Five Eight Hundred, and that's Monday the sixteenth of December. Yeah. Also, speaking of uh, Do Drop In, you know those guys are going to have the Santa Watch net on Christmas Eve. Um, I forget the exact hours, but go check out uh, their website. Yeah, they they had a lot of fun with that last mm-hmm. year, and we also want to invite you to uh, drop by the Amateur Logic Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash groups slash amateurlogic.tv. Yeah, and the Google Plus group. Yeah. It's growing really fast. If you're not a Google Plus member, you ought to join and check it out. Yeah, and if you happen to get a Roku for Christmas, be sure to subscribe to the Amateur Logic channel in there in the channel store. Yep, and uh, we're also on Twitter. Uh, Yeah. uh, At Amateur Logic. And uh, you can get us off of iTunes, YouTube. 
Just about anywhere finer ham videos are available. <laughs> <laughs> and get the show notes at the wiki that our friend uh, Dan in down LVS does for us. That's at amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Yeah, always thanks to him for doing that. Yeah. Uh, any final uh, closing thoughts for the show in the year? Well, just uh, have a Merry Christmas and uh, get a designated driver if you go to Christmas parties, and we will see you next year. All right. 7 3. Seven three. Seventy-three. Well, George, I, I'm offering some interesting products. I think that uh, you know your typical ham would really like, like like the clap, for example. You can you can spend a lot of money elsewhere to get the clap. So why would you pay more to get the clap? Yeah, what does the clap do, Mike? <laughs> to uh, to ensure quality, you know, for that smooth signal, uh, try RF grease. You'll wonder how you ever got in before. Whoops. Ha, 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 ha.